This is Fearless Beauties, a podcast dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. We are talking to estheticians, skin specialists, and beauty owners to uncover best skin practices, tactical career tips, and ultimately, how we can create a better beauty industry together. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. And I'm your other host, Taylor Phillips. This week on Fearless Beauties, we're diving into the fifth chapter of the Fearless Beauties book, Latinx Skin. We are so excited to be joined by two Latina estheticians, Janie Escamilla and Amy Fuentes, to chat about Latin culture and best skincare practices. Well, Mary, let's jump right into it. What is the biggest misconception about Latin skin? Well, I think some of the biggest misconceptions about Latinx skin is because there's confusion about what that term really means and or what it includes as an ethnicity. Someone who's Latinx means that their heritage originates from the geographical area that we call Latin America. Hispanic refers to someone who originates from a Spanish-speaking country. So, for example, someone from Brazil is considered Latinx but Brazilians speak Portuguese. Latin America is a huge geographical area. It ranges from the United States border to the tip of South America near the South Pole. So skin tones can range from very, very pale to dark. So Latinx skin isn't just cookie cutter. Nomadic travel from Africa, our original human migration, meant that Latinx people became very integrated with America's indigenous population. A lot of their origins are a blend of the Spanish conquistadors, the slave trade, and Native American. There are centuries of health and beauty secrets or traditions that have been passed from one generation to another. I think that is so interesting. It seems like Latin skin is a melting pot of racially diverse people. It's not just one skin type or race, and that is beautiful. And Latinx skin influences a large part of American culture. But what about skincare? How much does Latin culture influence skincare? Latinx culture influences skincare a lot. I know that even with their diversity, there's some cultural beauty rituals that seem to be common to all Latin cultures. You know, taking time to prepare for an event or an outing, really looking your best when you're out in public is important. You see that now. Okay, maybe not so much now with COVID restrictions, but in my community, which has a really large Latin population, you'll see families out on a Sunday afternoon, they're going for a walk, they're having a picnic, um, they're involved in some kind of larger family gathering, and the women are all dressed up, hair, makeup, dresses, and the kids are spiffed up too. I think it's just amazing to watch. You can tell they have put a lot of effort into preparing for the day rather than just throwing on a pair of sweatpants and a t-shirt and heading out the door. I know that Florida has a big Latin population as well, Taylor. Well, I don't want to generalize, but what are your impressions? Most definitely, Florida has a large Latinx population. I have lived in Orlando for 10 years now, and in my opinion, it seems like there are more Latinx people than Caucasians. I mean, walking down my street, you hear the Latin music from the garages and the pool decks, and I'm so used to it now, but if I really think about it, everywhere I have lived has not consisted of as many Latinx people as Orlando. The Latinx population is most definitely a collectivist culture. I have Latin neighbors on 
both sides of me. And even today, they gather every weekend, about 10 of them, to listen to music, eat good food, laugh, and go in the pool. And it never fails. And yes, in regards to their outward appearance, it is true. Like, I remember when I was in high school, 2010, I started at a high school here in Orlando, Florida, and I have never seen anyone in high school dressed in heels and blouses. And the Latin ladies, every day, they would dress in heels, blouses, and their makeup was just on point. And I've never seen anything like it, but... They just take how they address society on a different level, and there's nothing wrong with that. So let's hear Amy and Janie's thoughts on the ways being Latin themselves has influenced their aesthetic practices. It's interesting because a lot of times, many times, people don't think that I'm Hispanic because I'm so fair. But if you go to Puerto Rico, depending on the part of the island, Everyone's like light hair, blue eyes, fair skin. So being able to treat the right, the different Fitzpatrick has been just because I kind of come in as like the underdog. I'd say the traditions are very interesting and they were always about their hair, of course. The skin came secondary. If you had a problem, then they would tell you, like family would tell you, oh, you need to try this. You know, everybody had their own secret ways of addressing acne. And I tried it all, by the way. Uh, every advice my family gave me, I tried it all. Um, but they're really into their beauty routines. Even my grandfather, anytime I saw my family get together socially to go out anywhere, everyone spent hours getting ready to go out. From the way, you know, shaving, hair, cologne, perfumes, makeup, prepping themselves. Everybody did it. My grandfather and my grandmother always looked so polished when they went out for social engagements and they just passed that on. So we had to look always to the fullest clothes. Everything had to be on the mark when you had out. Even my cousins, like my cousins are hairstylists and uh, barbers now. They do the lines and really everything has to be meticulously done right. And I think for me, that's where the meticulous part of it came with the skin, though. I really got infatuated with how to make the skin look just as good. Because I'm going to tell you one thing, um, you know, a lot of people perceive spas or facials as a luxury. They don't really even perceive it as a necessity. But when you have acne or you have skin conditions, there's no doubt it's a necessity. So I tried all sorts of masks and all sorts of things that my grandmother shared with me. But the impression I got was that when you went out socially anywhere, whether it's a quinceanera, birthday, or anniversary, everyone spent hours grooming themselves and making sure they looked their best. Like Janie mentioned, for Latin culture, the ritual of getting ready for the event is just as important as going. And I think this symbolizes how significant their outward appearance is to them. This is something estheticians should definitely keep in mind when treating Latinx clients. So Mary, how should estheticians go about doing their initial consultation with Latinx clients? Well, Janie had a really interesting perspective on what it takes to gain their trust. 
we're all about the relationship. We have to really like you and trust you to work with you. If we don't feel that, we will not work with you. <laughs> so, and because you almost become an extension of a family, like if you want to, whatever it is, a stylist helps take care of your yard. You have to almost have a relationship with them to trust them and bring them in. And I saw this even one year my dad came out. This is when I was still in college. My dad came out to go for a business thing in Benicia and it was Mexican owned business. And my dad is the type of Mexican that looks blonde hair and blue eyes. And he shows up at the meeting and the gentleman, I guess was very outstanding. And my dad had asked me to show up at the meeting with him. And I didn't understand why, but I, of course I just did. And, uh, <laughs> and then my, I walk in and, and my dad says to the owner, this is my daughter. And my dad looks, the gentleman looks at me and he says, I'm Spanish. You know, you're Mexican. And my dad's like, of course. And he's like, Oh, and then from that on, the meeting went completely different. My dad and I were immediately brought in like family. We were taken out to dinner. Of course, my dad closed the deal, but it was very interesting watching that on how we trust and how we work with cultural. Now it's very different, but you know, this is not too long ago that it was still very much like that. I absolutely loved Janie's story. Her dad brought her in to show that he was Mexican because he doesn't look like the typical Mexican. And that was really smart. All he needed to know was that he was Mexican and he was all good in his eyes. And that just proves how close-knit and trusting the culture is. But like Janie mentioned, it's a lot different now. So based on Janie's insights about Latinx culture, how should estheticians consult with their potential clients? Well, I think that there's a lot of distrust for authority figures, and you really can't find fault with that. I think they've been taken advantage of economically. They've experienced a lot of negative biases. They experience one of the highest diabetes rates in the U.S. They have the highest incidence of COVID infections, which means there's a real healthcare shortage. And I think you have to do a lot to win respect and gain trust. You know, like we've talked about so many times, taking time in the consultation to dig a little deeper. Don't assume anything. I think that asking about diet is important. Finding out if they eat a more traditional Latin diet, which is corn-based and has a lot of veggies that are full of antioxidants, or are they just eating a diet with more processed foods? I'd pay attention to how their body handles an injury. Um, Latinx skin actually has more mast cells, and mast cells are the cells that release histamines and fight irritants. So they might heal more quickly from an intentional skin wounding, and that's what happens with some of the skin treatments that we do. But if they have diabetes or are even pre-diabetic, that means they'll have a delayed healing response. And also looking at what happens if they have a break in the skin. Do they develop keloid or hypertrophic scarring? I think in the visual consultation, you need to be sure to look at pigmentation that could have a pattern of melasma. 80% of Mexican women develop melasma during pregnancy. I mean, that's a huge number. Anyway, Taylor, you always have great insights into the consultation. What do you think? Well, this is pretty universal, but just having cultural competence. Are you educated on treating Latinx skin? Are you aware of their cultural diseases and disorders that affect their skin? Are you comfortable treating Latinx skin and all of its complexities? 
It's so important to want to become educated and ask the right questions. And I feel like a broken record saying this, but it's one thing to be an esthetician, but a completely different thing to be an inclusive esthetician. Not everyone can say they really know how to treat Latinx skin or black skin or Asian skin properly. You just got to educate yourself and practice. So Mary, now that we've talked about Latinx culture, let's get into the challenges that can occur in their skin. Well, I've already mentioned diabetes. Diabetes is a systemic disease that can affect every system in the body. Elevated blood sugar results in slower wound healing. There's some neuropathy that affects sensation, even vision. There's more melanosomes in the basal layer of the epidermis in Latinx skin, so there's a greater risk of getting PIH. And Latinx skin also has greater tool or transepidermal water loss. It can become drier and more sensitive. People with a Latinx heritage may not be particularly more prone to acne, but if they do get acne, it will tend to be more cystic. And they're sensitive to benzoyl peroxide, and that's just a staple ingredient for treating acne. So having an awareness about that will help you creating a skincare plan that doesn't use benzoyl peroxide and create another problem. The other thing is the incidence of skin cancer is really on the rise in the Latinx population because they have a belief that they don't need sunscreen. So education about the importance of sunscreen is always important. Yeah, I don't think we could ever say it enough, but wearing sunscreen every day is so important. The generational lack of knowledge in Latinx culture has unfortunately caused this rise in skin cancer. And when treating Latinx skin and developing a treatment plan, it's just imperative to let your clients know to always wear sunscreen. Now that I know I put sunscreen on Lauren and I every day before going outside, it's just something she knows we have to do. And I hope that it's something she carries into her adult life and in motherhood. So let's move on to discussing cultural and dietary practices. How does a Latinx's view of plant-based medicine influence their skincare practices? The traditions of plant-based medicine influences skincare ingredients. These same plants are used in large commercial skincare businesses today. They have been used for centuries in Latinx culture. They have proven efficacy, things like aloe for soothing and calming and bearberry for skin brightening. Yeah, I definitely think plants have amazing healing properties. In my home, we use aloe a ton. But I think it's important to mention that it does not 100% take the place of going to the doctor. And I say that only because there are a lot of people in my family who decide to not go to their annual checkups or listen to their doctor's advice because they believe that plants will take care of all of it. Now, I'm all about a plant-based diet and medicine. But the mindset that doctors are wrong really does them damage. Latinx people have that same strong opinion. Medical attention may be delayed or avoided because there is a mistrust of professional institutions. So plant-based is usually their go-to. But moving forward, let's talk about food. How does Latin food influence skin? Corn-based, beans, tomatoes, etc.? The traditional Latinx diet is full of antioxidants, very plant-based, gluten-free with corn tortillas. You know, in preparing for this episode, I read a study that was done by the National Institute of Health comparing the health 
of immigrants from Mexico who were acclimating into an urban environment in the U.S., from a rural area in Mexico, and they had enormous health issues with diabetes and obesity because they're suddenly incorporating a lot of sugary drinks, gluten, and processed foods. I mean, this totally makes sense, Mary. I think if you ask anyone who has never lived in the U.S., looking from the outside in, we are the unhealthy ones. Our fast food and restaurant-sized servings are like two times the amount that should be served, So our stomachs have enlarged and we are honestly eating more than we need to. It's really quite sad if you think about it. I remember I watched a documentary on Netflix a couple years back. It was titled What the Health? And it talks about how the meat, fish, poultry, and dairy are fattening us up, giving us cancer and type 2 diabetes and poisoning us with toxins and that the only way to really help and increase our life expectancy is to adopt veganism or a plant-based diet. It's honestly quite scary. That's what converted me to a plant-based diet watching that documentary. Oh, that's interesting because I remember watching it about two years back and I was like, okay, I got to turn this off halfway through. And then for two years, I've been trying to adopt a plant-based diet. But then, of course, fast food gets in my way. Um, But now, since January, I have incorporated a 90% plant-based diet, and I can tell you that I feel 100% better. (laughs) Yeah, no, I had people tell, oh, don't you feel better? Don't you feel better? For me, it took about a month, but now I can't even imagine going back to meat. Yeah, same here. All right, so let's discuss our last topic of this podcast, the treatment plan. What are the best treatments for Latinx skin? I think if you're working on a treatment plan, you've got to go progressive rather than aggressive. Condition the skin. Electrical modalities for exfoliation like microdermabrasion and skin spatula work well. Be really cautious with chemical peels and start really slowly with an enzyme. Use peels that have ingredients that work on inhibiting tyrosinase action. Tyrosinase is the enzyme that stimulates the production of melanin. So to avoid PIH, you would use an acid like Arbutin, Kojic, Malic, or Mandelic at first, and then starting your client on home skincare for the first few weeks. If they haven't had any professional treatments before, that will help suppress that melanin production if they are going to be tending to get PIH. You're going to have to be cautious with laser treatments or any other aggressive treatments to avoid that PIH, and then test spots and progressing really slowly just to make the best changes over time. I think that a progressive approach is really important to dig into Estee's brain. You have to be one with your client's skin and really know what works for them. And you won't know that unless you educate yourself. So in the Fearless Beauties book, every chapter consists of different treatment plans for Asian skin, black skin, Latinx skin, and so on. So you may use the same procedures, chemical peels, microdermabrasions, etc., but the skin will react differently. It's also important to remind Estes that it's always best to remind your clients that what they do at home is 80% of the work to reach their skin goals and 20% of what the Esty does. So Mary, what advice would you give to any Latinx listeners to improve their at-home routines? Of course, SPF, SPF, SPF. I think Latinx clients are really loyal and they want to spend their discretionary income on beauty products. 
I think a self-care home skincare regimen that includes masking can really be beneficial for that tool issue as well. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And one more thing I want to add, avoid any products with benzoyl peroxide just to avoid that extreme dryness and irritation. I think the takeaways from today's episode are that Latinx skin is diverse in pigmentation and in response to treatments. Latina women have some really strong beauty cultural rituals, and as professionals, we can tap into that. Awareness about the high incidence of melasma and a high incidence of diabetes should make you really careful in planning your treatment plan and appreciate the culture for its attention to self-care. Yeah, I really love that, Mary. Well, I would say my, my key takeaways are the importance of educating yourself on Latinx skin and to respect their cultural practices. Try to incorporate them into your treatment plans, even if that means suggesting some natural skincare products. And remember to always be fearless in the pursuit of making this industry more inclusive. Thank you for listening to Fearless Beauties, a show dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. And I'm your other host, Taylor Phillip. Until next time, keep educating yourself. Remember to stay open and be fearless in the pursuit of creating a better, more inclusive world. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Special thanks to my co-host, Taylor, and our producers at Quill Inc.